0: Hello there, you're very welcome into NCBI's technology podcast. This is episode number 21 for February 2014. My name is Stuart Lawler. Thank you very much for downloading and subscribing to our podcast. Hope you're going to stay with us for the next 46 minutes where Kerry Doyle will be telling us all about FlexiVO, a new variant of the popular Flexi iOS app. I show you a new app for your iDevice called Downcast, which allows you to subscribe to and manage your podcast feeds. We'll be talking to our tech support officer, Paul Trainer. It's really good to have him back on the podcast. And he talks about lots of different things, including the new Window Eyes for Office. And finally, Dr. Esther Murphy from the Centre for Inclusive Technology is with me to chat all about a new initiative called DICE. That's all coming up on this month's edition of NCBI's Technology Podcast. Thank you to everybody who got in touch with us uh, with feedback from our January podcast. It's always nice to get those uh, emails at uh, technologypodcast at ncbi.ie. You can also contact me by phone uh, by calling NCBI on 8307033 or our local number 1850 334353. Now, we had a lot of interest in cavitraining.com and the interview we did with Sean Randall, all about that huge range of courses uh, that are available from uh, Training And uh, if if you're listening to this at the very beginning of February, you probably just have a day or two to get registered if you want to join the February semester of those online courses, and you you will have known, of course, from the January podcast that uh, at least two of those courses are running at nice times for those of us in uh, in Ireland and uh, I guess Western Europe. Uh, if you wanted, if you want to explore that, Derry Lawler sent us an email to say he enjoyed the podcast and uh, interested to hear about Raspberry Pi. He said, "I don't know what it is." Uh, and he enjoyed, he enjoyed hearing about the accessible car racing game and said there's a racing game called Railroad, uh, which he'd be interested in playing. Uh, have to have a look at that at some point. We, we had somebody else actually called me on the phone to ask me about Raspberry Pi. And the Raspberry Pi is a, a, a tiny little cut-down computer that runs essentially on a microchip. Um, so What I think we'll try and do is, is get somebody to talk to us a bit about Raspberry Pi in the next uh, few months and find out a bit more about it, how accessible it is, and what are its maybe uses for for people within the home, because I know, for example, it can be used as a media centre. So I'll try and uh, get somebody to talk about that on the podcast in a couple of months. Now, to flag something for you on our March edition, a very long-awaited feature and something that uh, we've been planning for a couple of months, and that's a panel discussion all about low vision and technology. We have brought together three low vision uh, panellists and a low vision um, compare or chair for this discussion and uh, it's going to be well worth listening I think uh, this, um, this discussion is is well underway in terms of preparation work so we're going to be bringing those people together to record over the next couple of months couple of weeks rather and uh, I'll be very much looking forward to bringing that to you on the March edition of our podcast now as always if you have comments feedback suggestions anything at all please send an email to technologypodcast at ncbi.ie You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for February 2014. And back in August 2012, on I think podcast number three, we introduced you to Flexi, a revolutionary way of typing on the touchscreen of your iDevice. And a number of people have used Flexi, especially in the visually impaired community. But over the last little while, there have been some changes to the way in which Flexi is used, and recently Flexi, the company, uh, launched a new app called Flexi Vo. With us to talk about Flexi and all things Flexi Vo related is Kerry Doyle. Kerry, welcome back.
1: Hello, Thank you for having me again.
0: So um, you've okay, you, you talked to us about Flexi initially because you, know, you were certainly the person who told me about it. Uh, just remind us again why it was why
1: it's so good. Yeah, so Flexi is basically um, an app developed by a Greek company called Syntelia and it's basically a third party keyboard. And what it allows one to do is to type very accurately and efficiently and quickly, I might add, uh, on a touchscreen. As we all know, you know, typing on touchscreens at the best of times can be a trying experience. I certainly found it very uh, taxing before I had Flexi and I had went away from and back to the iPhone and phones with talks and Android and phones with talks again and whatever. Um, and then when I found Flexi, really, that just kind of really changed the way that I um, typed on a touchscreen and really has been what's enabled me to stay with an iPhone up to the present point, up to this very moment really.
0: So it uses a kind of an, um, uh, I, I guess it, 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 it tries to predict where, where your fingers will land and it, it tries to approximate the words. Yeah right?
1: so it, and basically they have patented a system whereby it registers both the number of taps that you enter and also the proximity of your fingers on the keyboard to like where certain keys would be so I suppose in order to use anyone who would use this app would be i would say very competent uh, touch typists you know and so which i majority of blind people are i would say so that's why there's no problem for one to use it because you do know the label of the uh, the layout of the keyboard very well so yeah okay. that's that's the way it works
0: so uh, flexi was was there and working away and then comes flexi vo which mm-hmm. stands for flexi voiceover yeah why the need for an additional app
1: yeah, I think um, what happened was um, as the app started to be developed, um, a lot of, uh, you know, sighted users as well kind of uh, latched on to the idea that, hey, this is a really, you know, worthwhile experience. This keyboard is fantastic, etc etc et, cetera, et cetera. Um, And what had started to happen in the past few versions is that the predictions and such were starting to not be as good. You know, you would flick down for a specific um, word having... You know, done what you thought was a correct um, approximation of the word, and you know, you could be flicking down away for a long, long time and it just wouldn't get it, you know. Um, So, what I imagine happened, because I personally didn't do this, but what I do imagine happened was that the developers got a considerable amount of feedback obviously from you know the majority of their users which are visually impaired and so they decided hang on a second we have to take action here we have to do something and so they decided to introduce uh, flexvio which is available on the app store. So. Okay, so,
0: so and Flexi, and we will actually put a, a link on the yeah. show notes to yeah. FlexiVO. So FlexiVO is right; it's a, um it's it's, a, it's an additional app. You can have it on Flexi on your phone together. Yes, or? I do. Yeah, yeah okay. I do.
1: But I I use FlexiVO now all the time.
0: Okay, and if you've um, have had dictionary entries from Flexi, will they show up in FlexiVO? They do. Yes. Okay. So words yes. so you create in one app. Oh yeah, they transfers us over.
1: And I suppose. Basically, what FlexiVo is is kind of a return to what made Flexi uh, great in the first place. Like the predictions are fantastic. Um, I I'm not sure exactly how it works, but maybe there is a difference in how how it's um, designed, how it registers taps or whatever. They they could have gone back to some kind of old. Code or something—I I don't know. You know what I mean? I, I'm not a not that technical, you know. But um, it certainly is a huge improvement on you know the version of Flexi that I was using prior to when Flexi Vo came out, which isn't that long ago actually.
0: Okay, and Flexi Vo is free. Yes,
1: yes, okay. it is.
0: And uh, for a new, let's say, Flexi user right now, are you recommending? Would you be saying Flexi Vo over the over the let's yes, say standard Flexi?
1: I would. Yeah, especially if the person um, that's using it. Um, is a competent touch typist and especially if um you know if the person has limited or no vision i'd say flexi um vo would be better for somebody than than like the just the standard flexi that's out there at the minute
0: all right check it out on the app store it's flexi vo uh vo standing for voiceover of course and Kerry, as always thanks very much for giving us your time thanks for having me Now, on last month's edition, in response to a couple of queries we had received about how best to access our audio feed, I started off by showing you two methods of using your PC to find our podcast. You remember we used Winamp and you could either listen using Winamp directly sitting at your PC, or you could use iTunes to subscribe to our podcast feed and have the podcast download automatically to your computer. Now, what if you are mobile and you're using a device that you want to carry around with you, you don't want to have to manually transfer podcasts to your mobile phone? Well, there's a great little app I'm going to show you today for the iPhone. And next month, I'll be showing you how to download and receive podcasts directly using the Plex Talk Pocket. There's a free podcasts app that Apple have released, which you can get for your iDevice. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's uh, not very intuitive and there's not a great feature set. So for example, it's not very clear all the time how to clear your subscriptions, how to delete content. Um, It's just not the nicest app to use. What I do recommend, if you're happy to pay about two euros, is a podcasting app called Downcast that lots of people have been using. It's not designed specifically for visually impaired, but it's fully accessible. And as you'll see when we open it in a moment, it's a really nice app to use. I have the iPhone 5 with iOS 7, the latest version of iOS 7. And the first thing I'm going to do is unlock my phone. 710p M. Here we go. Seven
2: ten. When's unlock, Let's unlock. unlock.
0: And I have a oh. folder called um, Media Apps.
2: Social calendar. Media Apps folder. There we Eleven go. Eleven apps. Media and apps. I'm going Better. to Text-fear. go to
0: page two of this page folder. Two two. And I'm going to find Downcast.
2: Spotify. I blink rate. Downcast.
0: Here's Downcast. Now I'm going to double tap the Downcast icon.
2: Downcast. Edit button.
0: And I'm now in the Downcast app. In a moment, you're going to hear a little sound as Downcast connects to the internet and checks the RSS feeds. There we go. It's starting the check. Checks the RSS feeds that I'm subscribed to and goes to see if there's anything new for me to listen to. With Downcast, I can either listen directly, in other words, stream the podcast, or I can download the episode for later listening. So, what I often do if I'm going on holidays or you know going on a plane journey or something like that, I'll go on to Downcast. I'll there's we go the the app check or the the check for for new podcast has finished. Um, sorry, if I'm going on a long journey, I'll go I'll go on to Downcast. I will check um, for a new podcast and then I'll download a whole load to bring with me. Let's look at the main screen. So
2: if I swipe right. Refresh today. 7. 11. P. M. Double to- tap to refresh all podcast feeds.
0: So we could do that manual refresh now if we wanted. We don't need to because it's just refreshed. But I could do that if I wanted. Now I'll swipe right again.
2: Unplayed. Heading.
0: So here is podcasts that are unplayed. New podcasts um, in my subscriptions that are unplayed.
2: Best of Chris Moyles Enhanced. One unplayed. Last published 14 slash 09 slash 2012.
0: Now, that podcast is a, um, I suppose, a a dormant podcast. It was not not published since September 2012, Um, but I've I've had it in my subscriptions for ages.
2: Focus Audio Magazine, 4 Partially Played, last published 07-12-2013.
0: There's Joe Ballard's Focus Magazine, um, a podcast that we have for Focus, available at ncbi.ie forward slash focus if you want to find out more about it.
2: Media Show, 8 Unplayed, last published today.
0: So, the media show is a podcast from the BBC. It's all about the media. If you're interested in that, I highly recommend it.
2: NCBI Technology Podcast. One partially played. Last published 13-01-2014. slash
0: And there's our own technology podcast. Now, when it says that something is partially played, it means that I've started listening to it and then I stopped. And it gives the date then of the last published podcast. So it's telling me that the last NCBI podcast was published on the 13th of January, which is correct.
2: Ouch. Disability talk show. One unplayed. Last published 16 slash 01 slash 2014.
0: Now, here's a podcast worth subscribing to with the Ouch team and uh, the producer Emma Tracy, of course, um, who has been on this podcast before.
2: RTE Acute, Callan's Kicks, 11 unplayed, 1 partially played, last published 31 slash 12 slash 2013.
0: That's the uh, Oliver Callan podcast, which I don't listen to a whole lot, actually. Let's go into one of these. Let's, let's have a look at Ouch, OK? Ouch.
2: Disability talk show. One unplayed. Last published 16-01-2014.
0: So I'm going to double tap on Ouch.
2: Ouch. Disability talk show. Back. Back button.
0: And I'm now in the podcast listing for Ouch, and it tells me that there's one unplayed.
2: Every month, Rob Crossan and Kate Monaghan present the program you didn't know you wanted to hear. It's disability from a fresh angle featuring interviews, discussion and the occasional quiz.
0: That's the podcast description.
2: Out show 104. Purple people. Status. Audio. Stream. Unplayed. Duration. 55. 11. Published. 16-01-2014. Heather Mills is out of the Winter Paralympics. Are the undoubtables really undoubtable?
0: Now that gave me a number of bits of information it told me the name of the podcast it said stream so that means it hasn't been downloaded so i can stream it from my phone um, and it told me the length and it told me the publication date and then it started giving me a bit of a synopsis we heard about heather mills for example if i want to play if that show play that podcast i just double tap
2: back back button
0: and here's the ouch podcast playing Now, I have a standard um, player controls here.
2: Volume 56%. Sleep timer forward. Sleep timer disabled. I
0: can use my sleep timer if I want the, the phone to switch, the podcast to switch off automatically. And we'll pause this. Play. And we'll go back to the previous screen.
2: Ouch. Disability. Podcast player. Ouch. Show 104. Back. Ouch. Disab- and then I just want to let you hear. Ouch. Show 104. Purple people. Status. Now playing. Audio. Stream. Partially so it's played. now
0: playing and it's partially played. Now, let's say I'm, I'm heading off on a plane. I want to bring that
2: podcast with me. Every if I double tap
0: and hold on it.
2: Alert. Ouch. Show 104. Purple people. Delete button.
0: I can delete it from the list. If I don't want to see it again, I can delete it. Mark as played, button. I can mark it as having been played. Convert to download, button. I can, when you hear convert to download, that's the option to download. So instead of having it as a stream status, I can convert it to download. If I was to tap that button now, it would automatically start downloading the podcast for me.
2: Cancel, button. Ouch. Disability uh, talk show. And
0: the cancel button will return us to the main screen, uh, back to the, the, to the podcast details. At the bottom of the screen, you have five tabs. The first of these is podcasts, and that's what we've just been looking at. And that shows the podcasts to which you're subscribed.
2: Playlists. Tab, two of five.
0: The playlists allows you to make playlists of episodes across a whole range of podcasts. So, you know, I want to listen to something from Ouch, and then I want to hear Joe's Focus, and then I want to hear something from Freedom Scientific. I don't want to have to go back to each podcast and select it. I want to make my playlist. You can do that. Add. Tab, three of five. The Add tab allows you to do just what what you would think, to search for a podcast title and add the feed to your device. And we'll do that in a moment.
2: Downloads tab 4 or 5
0: the download um, tab allows you to track your downloads so sometimes i might have 3 or 4 downloads going cuz i want to put a couple of podcasts on my phone and i can go into downloads here and check their status
2: more tab 5 to 5 and the
0: more tab is where you can uh, control the app's settings, and there are many settings, um, and it's really worth exploring this a bit. There's a lot in this app, and I certainly won't do it justice in, in this review. But uh, this is really just to show you what is possible. Let's go to add. down Add. Play. Add. Tab.
2: Selected. Add. Tab. Three of five. We're now in the add area. Add podcast manually.
0: So you can add a podcast manually if you know the full URL of the podcast. So for example, if you decided you wanted to add the, let's say the Focus podcast, because the technology podcast, our podcast is in the iTunes store, but we haven't put Focus in the iTunes store yet. You would add www.ncbi.ie forward slash focus.xml. That's the feed address. So you have to put that in if you're adding manually.
2: Search for podcasts.
0: Here we go. Search for podcasts. Let's double tap. Search field is editing. And we're in a search field. So I'm just going to search for the word technology. I'll just even put in tech.
2: F-R-T-R-F-E-C-H. Search.
0: And I'll tap search.
2: More. Tab. 5 of 5.
0: And I'll now browse my results by just touching anywhere on the screen.
2: Tech Weekly. Status. Audio. Not subscribed. Published today, the Guardian's tech team with news and discussion from the digital worlds of technology. Brilliant.
0: Game. Sounds good. Tech Weekly. Let's double tap Ad it. Add podcast.
2: Search. Back button. Now it's
0: going to bring me into the podcast details. And interestingly, this will allow me to listen to it without actually subscribing. So, you know, I can try it out for a while. I won't be subscribed to it.
2: Add podcast. Heading. Subscribe. Button.
0: There's the subscribe button. But if I don't
2: want to do that... Tech Weekly. Category. Guardian dot link type audio feed url http published today the guardians tech team with news and discussion from the digital worlds of technology gaming and the web view episodes button
0: i can view episodes here and i can actually stream them and play them so let's just
2: view episodes do this Think. tech weekly podcast usman hack on the internet of everything status audio new unplayed Dur- so let's double tap it alert download Button. stream now button
0: and there's a stream now button so I'm going to double tap that and preparing there we go now I'm listening to this with, without subscribing to it
2: I could obviously pause just turn that off
0: I could um, subscribe to it if I wanted by hitting the subscribe button on the previous screen, and that would then add that Guardian Tech Podcast to my podcast feeds that we saw um, earlier on in the very first tab of the application. So the app is called Downcast, D-O-W-N-C-A-S-T. We'll put a link to it on the show notes for this episode and uh, it's definitely well worth getting spend a bit of time getting it set up to your liking put in your podcast feeds and it just does its thing every time you load the app next month as i say we'll be showing you how to receive podcasts using the plex talk pocket In podcast number one in June 2012, would you believe, we met our technical support officer, Paul Trainer, the man whose voice is familiar to many of you on the phone uh, when you ring NCBI's dedicated tech support line. And we're delighted to have Paul back with us again. Paul, welcome back. Thanks, Jim. It's
3: great to be here. I must say this is the first time I've ever been up in your office, so I feel a like kind of a, an honour today.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, it's, um, it's great to have you up. It's great to have you uh, in Dublin. Uh, we've been chatting about lots of technology before we came on air, but we wanted to bring you back on the podcast. I suppose, first of all, just to remind uh, listeners and people who might not, have, or might not be aware of the tech support line, tell us a bit about your tech support line first.
3: Yeah, um, my tech support line um, was set up in 1999, uh, June 1999. And so uh, it'll be 15 years of operation this June. And it's basically a place that people can call about general computer queries, including their access technology, such as JAWS or Whatever Zoom text or, or, or some of the Dolphin products or anything like that, and, and anything dealing around um, the area of Windows, Windows XP, Windows 7, and now Windows 8.1. Uh, any of those kind of things uh, is fair game.
0: Okay, there's a there's a, a sort of a, a general uh, saying. We say it right across the organisation here within NCBI. Uh, ask Paul, and, and generally that's what we do. We will revert to Paul. So I uh, highly recommend people uh, contact Paul if you have any queries. And the number is 1850-923060. So today we wanted to talk to you about a couple of things because Windows XP
3: is going to be discontinued very soon, right? Yeah, apparently uh, Microsoft are going to discontinue supporting Windows XP in March. Now, um, that doesn't mean that you know, you're know you going to get up some morning in March, put on your computer and your computer will no longer work. Windows XP will continue to work as it's always done uh, and your programs will work on it as well. But generally, I think what, what people most fear is that Nowadays, um, with security being such a high priority on uh, all your computers, uh, people are doing a lot more online shopping and banking and maybe uh, paying bills and, and, and so on. And this is the area that I think we're all worried about. Um, if Microsoft stopped producing security updates and things like that, then the system windows xp itself could become vulnerable to hacker attacks or um, malware viruses and other kinds of things that would cause security problems so personally myself i would feel um, insecure about using my credit card or doing my banking details or, or or even shopping online over windows xp after march i just would feel that way about it it's that's a personal thing from okay. me, but I would be, you know, wary of it.
0: So, so while while XP will still work, you're, what you're saying is yes, there is these, uh, I suppose, possibilities that because. Microsoft are not going to update the operating system anymore, you could be more vulnerable to attack if you're on the internet browsing around. And, and it is an old operating system, isn't it? Like it's it is. 12, it's, 12, I mean, it's, it's, it's really,
3: years. you know, I suppose it's it served well. Everyone has a real liking for Windows XP. It was yeah. probably one of the most favoured Windows operating systems ever to be produced by Microsoft. And people will find it hard to have to say goodbye to it, but You know, these things, I suppose, like everything else, have a shelf life, Stuart, and you have to be careful nowadays with, you know, what you're doing, and computers have become very, very um, much a part of everyone's life. Uh, for doing so many things, and you have to be careful about what you're what you're sending across the internet. so for people who want to
0: upgrade now, obviously they might be thinking about a new machine with either Windows seven or 8. Do you have a preference on operating system at the moment? Well,
3: I suppose uh, yes, I mean I would still say Windows seven uh, was a real a really good um, uh, operating system, and if it were possible. I would probably always recommend that people if they even if they're buying a brand new computer that if possible try and get Windows 7 Home Premium or Windows 7 Professional depends what you know uh, capacity you're going to use it in um but H- Home Premium would be the uh, the one I would suggest now it's not always possible or going to be possible to get Windows 7 as time goes by It's now also a system that's been, you know, discontinued for the most part. But Windows 8.1 can be made to look like Windows 7 with a few adjustments. And so it is possible to use it. But I would also say here that you may have to upgrade your access technology. So if you're using something like JAWS 9 or JAWS 10 or even JAWS 11 or 12, you may have to upgrade to at least JAWS Fourteen or fifteen now, fifteen is the most recent version.
0: There was some additional enhancements, I think, in fifteen to make Windows eight a little bit more smooth, and probably more so Windows eight point one, yes, it came out last year. Okay, so generally, we, we should be aware that XP is reaching end of life, and making plans. If you haven't done so, making plans maybe to to upgrade to a new operating system to keep your computer secure.
3: Yes, it's, 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 it's probably something you need to think about. All right. The other thing, Paul, big
0: news, I suppose, uh, in January on the assistive technology front was the announcement by Microsoft and GW Micro, uh, who make a program called Window Eyes, a screen reader, uh, a collaboration to make this software free for people who use Microsoft Office 2010. And anything above, and um, you've been, I know, sort of having a look at this. Is it is it good? Is it worth the worth the, the yeah, offer? Yeah,
3: um, it was a bit of a surprise, I think, for the screen access technology world when this announcement came out that uh, Microsoft, in collaboration with GW Micro, had um, decided to offer the window their latest Window Eyes product, which would be the main rival, I suppose, for the JAWS screen reader. Um, to anybody who had a valid uh, version of Office 2010 or higher, so that would be 2010 or now 2013, um, if you had this and you downloaded the Window Eyes uh, from from GW Micro during the installation of Window Eyes, you would be asked for a Window Eyes serial number or your Microsoft product key if you had either of these pieces of information particularly the office product key because you would use this if you wanted to obtain uh, a copy of window eyes free of charge and I mean completely free of charge for a completely complete um, um, screen reader no cut down at all it's, it's it's the full version you put in the office product key when you're asked for it during the windows ice the window I setup, and it would accept it and go off and do whatever checking it does to validate it, and lo and behold, restart your computer. You now have a valid copy of Window Eyes installed on your computer.
0: And it's important to say because I know somebody was querying. Uh, I, I saw an email recently that they were saying, "Does it only work in
3: Microsoft Office?" It doesn't. It works right across it's, everything in Windows. It's the full thing, Stuart. Mm. It works. I was I was actually of the same opinion. Mm. I felt a bit sceptical. And I thought it was going to be some of this, as as some people call it, crippleware, where it's um, designed to work in a particular area and nothing else. No, it actually works right across the board. In Windows 7 or Windows 8, you have a full 100% screen reader.
0: Okay. Now... It's interesting, isn't it? Because NVDA, uh, we, we've talked previously on this podcast about NVDA with Ronan McGurk. where We're talking about Irish speech synthesis. Mm-hmm. And NVDA has been the free screen reader uh, and very popular, becoming more popular over the last couple of years. Do you yeah. think this is going to impact on NVDA? What do you think about this, the way this landscape is changing?
3: I don't i mean i have to say i have a real love for nvda i i I think it's one of the best little screen readers that ever came out it's so functional It, it actually does certain things better than the paid screen readers do and um i have particular um um things that i do with nvda that are just you know great and i i love it for that um it I don't think it will impact too much I think this window eyes Microsoft thing is probably at the moment is probably a kind of a flash in the pan sort of thing um, and, and window eyes you know Stuart and I have talked about this many times window eyes is something whatever is about window eyes it's, you'll either love it or hate it and um I suppose we've come from using jaws as to, as will the majority of of totally uh, blind people here in Ireland will have come from using jaws that they will find maybe window eyes just not what they want or what they what they like so uh, n v d a to be honest would would i would feel nearly has more in common. For me, as a JAWS user, than Window okay. Eyes so, would So, have.
0: coming from that JAWS user interface, you might. Yeah, get better there's
3: than just anybody. that feeling yeah. you get.
0: Yeah. It, there's been a lot of discussion, and we talked about it off air actually just before we, we came on here uh, about the idea of what this means for, let's say, universal access in the future, and the idea that the narrator screen reader could well become almost a mirror image of Window Eyes if if that's the direction Microsoft want to go.
3: Yeah, I hadn't actually thought about that until you mentioned it, Stuart. And I think you've probably hit the nail on the head that this may look, this may be the shape of things to come. Because Microsoft probably would feel that it's much more uh, a, a better business decision to actually take something that's already there and implement it into their operating system rather than setting up a whole new area of screen reader access within Microsoft. So, it would probably make sense to go into partnership with someone like GW Micro and say, "Look, you know, we we want to uh, use your your win- your screen reader to integrate into our operating system," as you were saying, Narrator. And uh, it's probably a business thing uh, as well as 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 anything else. It's going to get them off the hook because I mean, for years now, Microsoft have been slated for their lack of um, proper accessibility to their operating system. And this may, may be what they're planning to do. Window Eyes has the capability to toggle itself over to a JAWS style keyboard. So, if you're used to using JAWS on, on your computer and you, you, you get a copy of this uh, Window Eyes, you can toggle the keyboard setting using Ctrl, ALT and Zero. And Window Eyes will adapt a JAWS style um, keyboard layout.
0: Okay, so that's particularly useful, obviously, as you say, for people coming from JAWS, wanting to keep those JAWS commands, control, alt, and zero to switch it over. Paul, um, before we, get, we let you go, going back to your tech support role and your phone line and stuff, People who who might be ringing in for tech support, what's the, maybe the most important thing that, that they should know in order to maybe make the tech support call go as smoothly as possible? What what, what are the things maybe that, that, that you would need them to do when you get them on the phone?
3: Well, you know, Stuart, a few of the things that I get is I get sometimes people who ring me up and say, I'm not at my computer now, but can you tell me how to do A, B, and C? Now, normally A, B, and C could be something very simple. But in some cases, it takes quite a bit of explanation to tell somebody how to, you know, uh, um, change a setting in in a particular area of their computer or or to fix an issue. And it really isn't much addition to, to try and explain it to them, hoping that they will be able to remember it all. And by the time they get to their computer, turn it on, and they've pretty much forgotten what I've explained to them. So it's probably always a good idea to be at your computer. And this goes for any technical support that you're ringing up, to be at your computer and and able to to carry out the instructions. Um, Also, sometimes I get calls from people say, I have no sound on my computer. There's no, Jaws is not talking. And on a number of occasions, I got this call, and it turned out to be that somebody had turned down the volume on their speakers. And it was just as simple, as, simple that. as that. So, okay. so just think about trying those things first. little things. Yeah. Simple things
0: first. Okay. It, um, it reminds me of the old... Joke that's been around for years on the uh, tech support thing, where somebody rings tech support and it turns off. That turns out that uh, the power is off or something. They say yeah. the screen's
3: not working. Yeah. or so. oh, the broadband is turned <laughs> off in the hallway or something.
0: Check somewhere. the simple things first. Yeah, <laughs> Paul, it's it's always good to catch up with you. Let's do it a bit more frequently. Yeah, and yeah. Um, Thanks for coming on and talking to us, and uh, hope we can keep in
3: touch with you and talk very soon. Okay? It's been a pleasure, Stuart. Thanks for having me.
0: You're listening to NCBI's Technology Podcast for February 2014, and I seem to be out of the studio right throughout this podcast episode, because once again, I'm in our Rehabilitation Training Center in NCBI, and it's so nice this time to be catching up with Dr. Esther Murphy from the Center for Inclusive Technology. Esther, welcome back.
4: Hi there, Sears.
0: I think last time I talked to you, we were speaking by phone about something very exciting that happened in Trinity College about a year ago, and That's so right, I know yeah. you've been very busy since then, That's right. um, but today we're, we're here to talk about, and I suppose in terms of this podcast to launch a new and very exciting initiative that NCBI um, are pioneering called DICE. Tell me a bit about DICE.
4: Uh, thanks, yours Yeah, DICE um, stands for Digital Inclusion Champions in Europe and it really is about creating an online peer support community for people with disabilities and people who work with um, people with disabilities in the community. So we are uh, building uh, community face-to-face for starters so i'm pretty much running around and um, talking with lots of people in the community community resource workers it trainers students themselves who are working um who are uh, technology users and um educators mainstream educators and employers, so it's a really big project. Mm-hmm.
0: So this is sort of digital skills, just maybe try to just tell, what what are, what are, what are digital skills maybe if we could try to sort of define that, or, or is it easy to define?
4: Sure, yeah, I guess um, it's all rooted in independent living, and if we consider the digital skills around this, are the tools that enable people to get on in life, really, we're thinking of it as broadly as that. And in terms of our own training centre here, I guess that's maybe a nice place to start, because as you know I've worked here with yourself as an adult education tutor and one of the things I would have observed are um, students helping each other that's the heart of it students helping each other with their technologies whatever they may be be it their phone, be it accessing um, their laptop or PC using um, some assistive tools like the JAWS screen reader and I guess people with a little bit more experience helping others that are are just getting started that was one of the, the kind of starting points uh, for this project to kind of how would you capture, how would you sort of harness that lovely learning that happens informally, perhaps in the formal setting of a training centre. What are the digital skills? They are the the skills of using different types of digital technologies, your phone um, and your laptop and, and also like I was asked recently by a mainstream educator, you know, when you go away to college, like what about just preparing your meal? Um, independent living the, if I wanted to make something I wanted to use a thermometer um, I want one that reads to me because I can't see the gauge um, and I was asked is that, a, is that considered a technology okay. or indeed um, a partner asked what about a digital alarm clock yeah. so we really aren't uh, limiting it it's really the technologies that people use in order to lead independent lives and particularly in terms of their education um, accessing education
0: it's interesting because even at our technology exhibition last year, Esther, one of the, the big talking points was some of the just the low tech, the aids that that actually mm. very basic, maybe, but they do the job. And it's the thing they're the things that people maybe find it harder to find sometimes. Yeah. So you're looking, let's say, for example, we're, we're talking about somebody who wants to find out how to do a particular skill or I wonder how this um, can be done Mm -hmm. and maybe somebody previously has done this you're looking for people to to, to almost uh, share their experiences online
4: yeah it's sharing of information about technologies now of course there's fantastic um, practices already happening for instance the VIPs email list um, we're talking with people that work in the NCBI already the idea of the project is to link in with good practices that are happening in the community and bring them together um, in this community um, in an online space, you know. So like, like the VIPs that people, maybe your listeners are mm-hmm. part of this, yeah. that they're um, posting queries and getting responses from the community. Similarly, our own website is, is going to be reflecting the needs of the people, you know. So um, we're also going to be um, using existing social media, um, Facebook and Twitter, and we're hoping to get on to LinkedIn as well so that accessing the website isn't kind of a chore that you kind of say, oh, I have to go onto the Dice site, and that you can be getting feeds through your existing social media and put, posting questions. At the moment, we really are at the what we're calling the kind of requirement-gathering stage, which is essentially just um, meeting people where they are in the community, holding... Um, focus groups and interviews with people and asking them what they would like this website to do above and beyond what already exists out there um, and how we can make that happen and talk with the the developers who are, who are in our project um, to respond to those to those uh, needs, you know.
0: The really interesting thing I've found about Dice, from chatting to you and chatting to uh, Mark McGuinness, uh, who's been on our podcast before as well, is that you're casting the net right out. You're not just looking at blind and low vision. You, mm-hmm. You're you're going right out, aren't you?
4: Yeah, we are. This project is to link in with um, disability organisations, NGOs in the community, and their service users. So, for example, last week I was out talking with people in Enable Ireland, service users, service providers. Now, sometimes what we do is I might run a group of um, service users together, just talking with them about their needs, and we design questions for them, and um, then we'll feed those back to the developers. But in this particular situation, I decided we'd, we'd put everybody together and have a, have a chat. And it was really fantastic to witness, um, a, say, an uh, Able Ireland service user who actually was on a VIP list and someone in the room who wasn't, and someone saying, well, what would DICE do? Would I be able to, would would you do a blog? Would you do this? And I was saying to them, you know, we will do what you would like us to do, and as far as possible, in order to provide peer supports for you guys, you know? And um, what's important to say as well, we're linking in with uh, employers. I've also been speaking with um, businesses in the community, and various large IT companies and multinationals who are coming on board with this as well. Now, what is there from their perspective? You know, they see it as contributing to their corporate social responsibility. And they also, what we're interested in, again, is um, developing peer support relationship across employers in Ireland um, so for instance there may be well-known companies that are a good example of hiring people with disabilities and providing the accessible technologies in order that, in order for them to fully fit into their into their workplace and conduct their job um, in the best possible way and maybe there are smaller companies or companies that would like to hire people with disabilities more often but maybe think um, this is quite challenging, maybe the finances, that we would provide the information on our site um, to, en- to enable employers to, to link with uh, other employers who are doing a good job of this. Um, so this really brings up the idea of the champion. The idea of a champion, a digital inclusive, um, inclusion champion, is across all uh, stakeholders involved in the project. Starting, if you think, the heart of the project are the students and the people. So for instance, um, we all know people who are doing a good job as it is who have excelled perhaps at their in their training center or on a particular college course and are doing really well and naturally become go-to people you say like oh uh, you know you got to talk to you got to talk to Mary she's really fantastic with the iPhone okay. she would really help you yeah. now that's that that kind of individual space of a champion of recognizing people then there are obviously the workers themselves and again coming back to the employer that people will be recognized and these champions were are um, growing we're growing this community of champions who will advocate and promote the dice community and also um you know nominate new people to participate
0: it strikes me as this sort of Brilliant space where all these great conversations can happen between Mm. users and educators and employers and developers and anyone else who's interested in just getting. The, getting the information out there and sharing all this vast amount of knowledge that yeah. exists in the disability community
4: that's right yeah that's that's exactly it it's a hub really
0: okay okay um, and, and i know there's a lot of i suppose exciting things planned over the life of the project the yeah. website is uh, i suppose what, what we should if for people who are listening yeah. right now what can they do if, they, if they're excited and they listen to you esther and they yeah. want to get involved what should yeah. they do
4: yeah absolutely the more the more the merrier to get involved really um the website is dice, D I C E hyphen project.eu. And on our website, just recently we've launched our online questionnaires. Now, these should roughly take, you know, 15 minutes or so, um, and we have uh, designed different questionnaires for the different groups, so we have questionnaires for students and other technology users, we have one for vocational educational training, um, centre trainers and mainstream educators, employers, and one for NGOs working with people with disabilities in the unions. So one of the things that we really recognise that is such a team effort um, in the community, to move people on from where they're at, you know. Sometimes when they arrive, you know, even at our own training centre here, people are, uh, you know, in a space sometimes of limbo and they're wondering what next steps to take. Maybe they've been working, um, maybe they've been out of work for a while, perhaps they were already in a further ed or university and they want to get back there. So it's about all the people who are responsible in, in jobs that are enabling people to get back to where they want to go or move on to where they want to go in terms of education and the workplace. So what we feel is like having all of those people on board with us, taking and cooperating together um, is the way to go about this, you know. And one of the things to say, if there's any service providers listening as well, um, please... um, have a look at our website and fill in the questionnaire for us that would be great
0: it's something that i think is really exciting i want to try and keep in touch with you during the life of this project Mm. it's great that we're coming in at the beginning yeah and we can kind of see how it's going um so for the moment thanks a million for chatting to us and let's talk very soon Cheers. Thanks, here Many thanks to Dr. Esther Murphy there for chatting to us and telling us all about the DICE initiative. Uh, really interesting. And uh, let's watch that um, project and see how it unfolds over the next two years. Certainly something that I want to keep in regular touch with uh, on the podcast. Remember the website, www.dice-project.eu. We'll stick that on the show notes for this episode. And there's also a questionnaire on that website that uh, Esther and her colleagues at the Centre for Inclusive Technology would be very grateful if you would complete right that's just about it for february's podcast i hope you enjoyed it and thank you so much for listening coming up in march i've already flagged our low vision panel discussion this is something not to be missed and also we're going to start a series of tutorials done by kerry Doyle, all about using voiceover and the mac until march this is stuart Lauder saying thank you for listening and goodbye